So, uh, all right, this is the awkward part of the intro, but what's up, everybody? Welcome to Sheep Talk. Um, what are your opinions on Sheep Talk? Uh, so I watched your video about like the reason for the name, and I like it. I think it's cool because, okay. you no, know, Bible does refer to us a lot as sheep, and sheep yeah. are dumb. Yeah. I think most people, I think we're all pretty dumb, especially compared to the wisdom of the Lord. So, yeah, aptly named. Yeah, I was talking to Jerry L about it, and Jerry L, it, it's kind of had, it's one of those names, like if, if I did you know, gospel unraveled or gospel, gospel conversations or the mm-hmm. Christian life. Everyone knows it's Christian, yeah. which is not a bad thing. But that's going to turn some people off. Exactly. So this, they're going to be like, what is sheep, sheep talk? Like, talk? What is that? Like, it doesn't have like this glaring Christian yeah. vibe to it. But, but it's like that undertone. So like if you are a Christian, you kind of know. Yeah. It's kind of hidden. Upon further investigation, you realize Christian roots. And then if you watch the episode... You're definitely gonna see. Yeah, it's like oh, this is about Christianity. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see. We may we may play with it a little bit. We'll see. But um, tell me a little bit. Tell tell the word about yourself. Who's Trey Cole? Where are you from? Give me. Yeah, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Um. So my name's Trey. I'm from Iowa, Texas, about 30 minutes outside of College Station. Um. Grew up going to Central, the church that we go to, the church that I work at, and um had a pretty easy life growing up. I my dad worked in construction he owned a company and then uh, after my grandpa died that kind of fell through and so he went and worked in the oil field uh, and that's kind of like that was my upbringing grew up in the church grew up knowing the church answers but it wasn't until I was about nine or ten years old that I really understood my need for Christ and so when I was nine I accepted Christ and began to live my life to glorify him instead of glorify myself and um, began to live not because I felt like I had to follow the rules, mm. but because I wanted to follow the rules because I understood what Jesus had done for me. Um, so then throughout high school, I uh, played basketball, really struggled with that, uh, with my coach who didn't appreciate that my faith came first in my life. He told me that if basketball came after my faith, that I didn't need to be in his program. So we had some issues with that. Um, and then went to Liberty University in Virginia for a year and a half. The entire time I was there, I was in an abusive relationship. I lost 30 pounds my first semester in college, went through anorexia and depression, came back after that and found out my dad was cheating on my mom with a 21-year-old girl. Wow. Yeah. So that took six months to, to find out between coming yeah. back from Liberty and finding that out. So yeah. And then now my parents are divorced. I don't really talk to my dad anymore yeah. just because I've told him where I am if he wants to have a relationship with me. Mm. And he has made this, the decision not to. And so that's kind of been the, the quick 30-second version of my life. Okay. So I, I'm going to dig in a little bit, if you don't mind. So through this process, you just gave us, I mean, how old are you, 22? Yeah. 22 years in 30 seconds. So yeah. through this 22 years, where did you feel like the Lord was really, really tugging on your heart? And mm-hmm. on top of that, because you mentioned at eight years old, nine years old, you accepted Jesus. Yeah. Through these, I mean, not everybody gets, goes through what you've gone through. So, mm-hmm. what? How did the Lord work on you in your heart, and like, how did you? How, how was that? And uh, that was a like when I was young. Like yeah. When I was like so, okay, nine. let me read the question. That was a bad question. Okay, so, so when you were going through these hard times, okay, mm-hmm. how did it impact your faith? That's good, okay. That's a better way to yeah, word it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so I think in order to really understand that, I have to go back to when I was in eighth grade. When one of my best friends, James K., died in a four-wheeler accident, and I talked about this at Open Gym, uh, that was when I really had to make the decision 
to either follow Christ or blame Christ and not trust him. And so through that event, through losing my friend, um, just in an accident, I chose to trust God, even though I didn't understand why he would allow that to happen. And that is the reason that even in these other events, I'm able to have hope. And so through that, that's when my faith became my own. That's when I started having a relationship with Christ for myself. Um, not just because I was expected to, because I was who I was in like the, the golden child and like following rules and like doing mm-hmm. all the right thing, things like that. And then with like basketball, that had become an idol in my life and I hadn't even realized it. And so God really used that to break me. He used that to break the idol. And I realized that I can never put my hope in sports because it was going to fail me. Um, And so God really broke me in that, that season of life and that two and a half years on the team. Um, But he also sustained me and he showed me that even though basketball may not be what's going to fulfill me, God can, and God is the only one that can. Mm-hmm. And he continued doing that when I went to Liberty and showed me that I can't rely on relationships. I can't put my identity or my hope in relationships yeah. because the other person in that relationship is going to be a broken person just like I am every time. Mm-hmm. And so I can't put my identity or my hope in that only in my relationship with Christ. And same thing with my family. Um, my dad is a broken sinner, just like we all are. Mm-hmm. And so I can't put my hope in my family because they're also going to fail. They're also going to struggle. Yeah. So only putting my hope in Christ and just realizing that throughout the, those um, situations. That's that's amazing, bro. Okay, so... So... so dude, I just had a question. It just, it just, I was literally thinking of it, and then I like... You just hit me with some wisdom there. But anyways, <laughs> so on to the next question. So we... You, um, the gospel appealed to your heart through many mm-hmm. different things. You've accepted Jesus, right? So I want to ask you this question, and I did a, a podcast video type deal with my pastor back home, who I was interning with, and he hit me with a scenario, and like it kind of it kind of stumped me. Mm-hmm. And what the what the question was is: Imagine you're around a table, right? With uh, or you're at a park, you're spreading the gospel wherever you're at, and a Hindu student is in the audience. And the Hindu student says, well, what, how do you, how do you, can you sit up there and claim that your religion, your worldview is any more, any less valid than my worldview or what? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you had to make a a argument for your faith, a defense for your faith, and this kind of can tie in from, you know, apologetics, like you're telling somebody Mm -hmm. and then in your own life, what evidence did you find? to support your belief in Jesus. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that all Christians should be equipped to do, um, whether we are or not is a different question. But I think that one of the biggest things is that Christianity is so different from every other religion. Mm. Every other major religion, you have to earn your salvation. You have to earn your way into this next level, right? Into Mm -hmm. the good graces of whatever God they believe in. Uh, Both Christianity, it's that God that has created the world loves you even though you you have sinned against him and you don't deserve a relationship with him. Yeah. And so that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion is that we can't do enough. We can never achieve enough or reach a standard to where we deserve what we receive. Mm-hmm. The only way that we can do that is by accepting Christ, who is God, who died on the cross for our sins, who took our punishment, the same God that created us, 
died for us and was powerful enough to arise from the grave. Yeah. That's unlike any other religion. Um, and then also just the historical value of the Bible. There was at one point, I believe it's Babylon, the Babylonian empire was said to have never existed. Mm. And that was a real big critique against the Bible. Mm. And then you find historical evidence for the Babylonian empire. Mm -hmm. And all of these things line up with uh, Daniel and going through Daniel, all of these different events line up with the Bible historically. Yeah. And so the Bible is a historical book that can be proven. Um, I think is another really big thing that maybe a lot of Christian Christians don't realize, but is a really strong defense for their faith. Mm. And then I think just in my life, when I um, go outside at night, right, and you're in the country and you look up at the stars and the Bible says that God has placed the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. Right. Yeah. But he didn't die for those stars. No. Right. He died for us. Yeah. Even though we don't deserve that. And so the same God that is powerful enough to put those stars in the sky and that cares enough and has enough attention to detail to know them by name knows us personally, each one of us personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just an incredible um, feeling. It's cre- an incredible reality that no other religion has. Yeah. Um, and so just seeing that throughout my life, seeing the love that God has for me, even in my brokenness, has been a huge um, reason for my faith. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, to piggyback over that, part of my evidence that I always say, and it first off is it appeals to my soul. Like it di- mm-hmm. the Bible diagnosed my soul. Second, I like what you said about it opposes, it is the only, Christianity is the only religion that opposes the, the individual. Mm-hmm. It's the only religion that says you can't do enough. Every single religion, when you look at it at its, at its core, it either appeals to what they think, what mm-hmm. they or to their works, right? Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, Buddhism, right, for example, appeals to the feelings and stuff like that, like your feelings. Mormonism, uh, it get a little controversial, Catholicism. Catholicism. <laughs> Catholicism. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say that because no, I was ready. I, I've talked about it many times before on Kingdom Vision, with, <laughs> not Kingdom Vision, so it's I talk about it a lot. But Hinduism, Islam, all these um, have the the tendency to, you know, you have to go up the mountain Mm -hmm. to get to God versus God coming down to the mountain and and really like, Hey, your flesh wants this, but don't do it. Like it it will actually, it is sin and it it will destroy you. It will sin is death. And that's what Mm -hmm. James two, I think James two talks about like when sin conceives, it produces death and it separates us from God. Yeah. So, um, and then third for me is then you get to the, inerrancy of the Bible, you know, like mm-hmm. 60,000 or so references, um, like proving itself true, then mm-hmm. manuscripts and all that stuff. That is not what I, what I, like what I, what we hinge on. Um, but, but it's like supporting evidence. Like does. when a kid throws a rock into a cave, here's glass break. And then he finds the Dead Sea Scrolls. Exactly. It's like, wait, what? Like, so the Dead Sea, or we're just going to overlook the Dead Sea Scrolls? Like, no, right? we, we're going to look at it and be like, okay, this is evidence for the Bible. Like we mm-hmm. can't just, so it's not of, for me, it's not a this or, uh, but not that it's everything combined. Right. We, like in, so with that being said, I want to ask you another question. Didn't text you this, by the way, I sent him a list of questions before. This is a, just the one I didn't send you, but for the people who like Noah's Ark fake, you know, mm-hmm. no, uh, Moses part of the Red Sea fake. 
um, whatever these Old Testament stories, Jonah and the whale, right? Mm-hmm. What is your what is your response and your rebuttal to that? And because you believe that those were historical events, right? Right. Yeah. So what's your argument for that? Um, well, as far as Noah's Ark, you've got seashells on the tops of mountains, mm. right? So that suggests that at some point they were underwater. So there's really not a lot of um, debate that there was a global flood at some point mm. in the history of the world. And that's going to be something that a lot of other religions have as well as scientists backs up. And so the thought of a global flood isn't extremely controversial. And even the, the Red Sea, a lot of people just say like, oh, it was wind that blew it and it like didn't completely dry, but it and was are, just are there lower. Ch- are there chariots on the bottom of that ocean? That's a great question. I don't no, know. No, I've, okay, I've heard that somewhere, that there are chariots at the bottom. Maybe not. Take that with a grain of salt. I have to look at that. You Take that with a grain of salt, but continue. Um, but yeah, no, there are, there are ways that people try to reason out of it, but the reality is that a lot of other um, sources back up claims mm-hmm. that these things did happen. Mm-hmm. Jonah and the whale is a little bit different. Um, I don't know if you can have proof of that. Like, yeah. we can't find the fish. Or in. yeah, so. in, in his autopsy, if if there even is an autopsy, mm-hmm. yeah, somehow we can prove that he, that was, he was in a whale for a whale. three days because we have residue from the whale, you know, yeah, whatever. And so some of that, like, there's no way to prove that, but there's no way to disprove that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have clear evidence for things like the global flood, um, which is not refuted by any, like, any yeah. religion or even science. And so I think that's one big one. And then with the, the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea, there are people that believe it happened. They just don't believe it happened the way the Bible says it. So, Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard that one before. They but... just think it's like wind blew and it, it came down to where they could walk over, but it wasn't dry ground. So there was still water. It wasn't water. truly parted. It was right. like it a, wasn't par- it was a like lowered natu- almost. It was a Just natural like, event that caused it. Yes. Okay. It's like oh, it happened to be this way at this time because they had to cross the sea somehow. Mm-hmm. Like they got out of Egypt. Yeah. And they got away. So if they hadn't crossed the sea, they would have been killed or brought yeah. back into slavery, which they obviously weren't. Yeah. So somehow they got across the sea. They didn't have boats. Yeah. So. Yeah, and they were running yeah. from the uh, the, the uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, but I was like the Egyptians. Yeah, the Egyptians. Okay, I was like, okay, they're the Israelites. Who are they running from? (laughs) Yeah, the Egyptians. (laughs) Okay, so an interesting thought that I have is, you know, first off, we all have the same evidence. Like any worldview out there, we all have the evidence laid out and we conclude Mm -hmm. with it differently. Yeah. So when I look at, you know, my response to, you know, Noah's Ark, Red Sea, stuff like that is I heard my pastor down in Floresville, uh, brother Mike, brother Mike is what we call him. Uh, Mike Clements, um, told me one time that it's like the, the new Testament is around 10% old Testament, like Jesus quoting in mm-hmm. the apostle Paul and like quoting old Testament things. And then up to 20%, um, allusions to mm-hmm. old Testament. So not direct quotes, but allusions to it. Um, and of course he, you know, I don't know the exact statistic, but I'm sure it's around that estimate. But with that, that doesn't just like I, I for a while there when I when he told me that I was like, oh, so the whole Old Testament's true. Like because Jesus, even though Jesus directly didn't quote, you know, Moses part of the Red Sea, like I just mm-hmm. took it and ran with it. Yeah, the stat ten percent. So it must all be true. But 
what I've kind of come to learn, and you can elaborate more on this, is the New Testament first quotes, you know, the Torah, the Torah, I don't know why I just said that, Old Testament, mm-hmm. but quotes things like that. And then basically repeated themes, repeated messages in the New Testament that or direct quotes or not direct quotes is kind of ties into the inerrancy of it all. So basically because Jesus they're they're he didn't directly speak on Noah's Ark. He didn't directly or did he directly speak on Noah's Ark? I don't, I don't know, think but so. he didn't directly speak on these, you know, Noah's and the, Noah mm-hmm. I mean like these biblical stories yeah, of the Old Testament. But because we can trust that Jesus is directly quoting the Old Testament, things like that, we can kind of trust the inerrancy of the Old Testament, not just mm-hmm. like, okay, Old Testament, New Testament, right, two, like different, two different books, like yeah. one is real, one might not be. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that if Jesus saw the Old Testament as a reputable source mm-hmm. and Jesus is God, then I think he's going to know what is reputable and what's not. Yeah, so. th- I think you can take that and have comfort in it. But Yeah. Um, all right, so next question. I kind of want to dip into some some hot waters. I I've never been a political guy, even to this day. I don't put my uh, you know, even in this conversation, I don't I don't put my political um, beliefs out there. Okay, because in my 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 main goal is to disciple other people, evangelize, spread the gospel, and this is not this is funny but serious at the same time. Um, but Trey Cole, you have you you for a stretch of your you know college years were really devoted to politics and you yes. had a strong interest in politics. Talk to me about your entry into politics. And as far as I know, there's been a shift recently mm-hmm. in your view. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So, uh, in high school, I didn't know anything about politics mm-hmm. at all. I didn't care about politics. I wasn't interested in it. Uh, I didn't think it really affected me. So I didn't want to get into it. Um, then when I was at Liberty, Ben Shapiro came and spoke at one of our mm. convocations. And I was like, man, this guy is smart. This and guy like, knows what he's talking he about. He says it's like important. Maybe I should pay attention a little bit. Yeah. And so then I went to the Brett Kavanaugh hearings when I was, I was counter protesting in support of Brett Kavanaugh when he was um, nominated to be a Supreme court justice. And there were accusations coming out that he had like um, raped one girl and been a participant in a gang raping of two other girls mm. Those two came out and said that they they were lying, mm. um, but there were just it was very circumstantial evidence, and there was actually evidence against the uh, the claims. And so I went to support him and saying that like, hey, unless there's proof, you can't hold this man accountable, and you can't you can't call him guilty mm-hmm. just because someone says something. Yeah. Um, and so I went and supported him, and that's what really. Like got me jump started into politics. While I was there, it was a bunch of us from Liberty in a line, and basically we had to hold on to each other's shoulders and get through this line of of protesters that were not with us. Mm. And we were told, "Don't engage them. Don't talk to them. Just keep your head down and keep going." And as we're going through, they're like pouring stuff on us. They're like throwing stuff at us. Really? They're calling us rapists and racists. Wow. And I was like, man. This this area needs Jesus. Yeah. Like this um just environment needs the gospel. Mm. And so that's what really got me into politics was I saw the brokenness of our political system and I, I saw the hatred on both sides mm. and I wanted to be a change in that. 
And so from there, I started reading books. I started watching podcasts about like politics and just like what's going on in our our current discussion, what's going on in our culture. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Andrew Breitbart who said that politics is downstream from culture. And so where our politics is, is shown of where our culture is as well. Mm. And so that's what really got me interested in it. And then when I came back to a and I started a podcast and started talking about politics from a Christian worldview. Haven't been doing that recently, and I don't know if I'm going to pick that back up. I just don't have time. Um, but also just because of the shift yeah. in my life. And so when I came back to AM and I started that podcast, it really became an idol in my life. Politics did mm-hmm. um, kind of like how I was sharing in my testimony. I made an idol out of basketball and my relationships and my family. And I think that also happened with politics. Mm-hmm. And I just started realizing that over the course of last spring, just realizing that I was being so consumed by politics and I was just so involved in it. I worked on the Trump campaign. I had an offer to work on a campaign, a congressional campaign. Mm-hmm. And then I also have an offer right now to go up to D.C. and work on another campaign. But mm-hmm. I won't be taking that as I'm ste- taking a step back yeah. from politics. But I just realized that it was consuming me. and It was affecting my attitude and my heart toward other people, yeah. um, especially people that disagreed. I started seeing them as enemies, not as people that needed the gospel. Mm. And God really just convicted me of that and started to soften my heart. And so that's why I've been taking a step back from politics. I'm still very interested in it, still involved in it to an extent, still love Mm. political conversations, but I don't want to be so consumed with politics that it um, takes a light, the light of Christ from me. And I don't want people to see me as, someone that would rather talk about politics than Jesus. Because I would much rather talk about Jesus than politics. And that's kind of been the shift in my life as I've been realizing my call to ministry more. Mm-hmm. And recently, over the past couple of days, I truly realized my call to ministry and got an affirmation in that. And so that's another big reason why I'm stepping out of politics in a large way is because I'm pursuing that call that God has given me in ministry. And so instead of going to law school, which I had originally planned, I'm going to be going to seminary and Praise God. looking forward to being a minister. So Praise God. Dude. Praise God. That's amazing. So I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a poke, poke at you, bro. I'm going to ask you some controversial go questions, okay? So like I said earlier, the reason I don't, and, and I think this is kind of your shift as well, but the mm-hmm. reason I don't do political stuff, that doesn't mean I'm naive. That doesn't mean I just choose not because it's it's – it's important to know. It's important to be informed about your country. and mm-hmm. But unfortunately, our country is extremely polarized, right? Yeah. So that's why I don't like to talk about it much. But Trey Cole, <laughs> what would you say to... Uh, I, I know a lot of people who are Republican first, Christian second. Mm-hmm. What what would you... And, and I have a lot of friends of mine that are Democrat that I know, are, that I know they're saved. Yeah. So how do you... And, and this may be something you're still trying to learn, but how do you bridge the gap or um, lay down your political affiliations for the gospel, especially when it comes to, like you said, um, talking to people who are Democratic or Republican? Yeah, I think that a lot of people in America like equiv- equivocate uh, Republican and Christian mm-hmm. or conservative and Christian, like turning point. They, they claim to stand for Christian values because they're a mm-hmm. conservative organization. 
that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that you have to realize that being a Republican doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to church makes you a Christian. The only thing that makes you a Christian is your relationship with Christ and accepting the gift that he has offered you. And so I think that that's the first thing that Republicans that claim to be um, Christian need to realize is that just because they check and check the box for R doesn't mean they know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you are a Christian that is a Republican, you have to be shaped by what the Bible says before you're shaped by what our culture and our politics say. And so if you have a political belief, whether you're on the right or left, that disagrees with the Bible, your political belief is wrong, period. Whether that's um, abortion or capital punishment or whatever that is, your political belief is wrong. And you have to accept that because the God that created us, the God that is all-knowing, and the God that is good and just has said that this is wrong. So I have another question. So say... Um, other than, you know, abortion, capital punishment, the mm-hmm. real big controversials, are there things that, for example, you, I'm, I'm just from context clues, you are, you identify as Republican, right? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a Republican. I'm a conservative, conservative, but I wouldn't call myself a Republican. See, I, okay. Astrid, I'm really not well researched in politics. So that's mm-hmm. another reason why I don't talk about it, but. We're Fair. talking about it. <laughs> I keep saying we're not talking about it as I ask more questions. Yes. But I've been dying to ask some questions. So are there things that when you lean more conservative that – because a lot of people will identify, oh, Democrats, like um, they – like if you're Democratic, you can't be Christian. I've I've heard people mm-hmm. say that, and I disagree. But are, there's some conservative things. Like, for example, um, someone may vote Republican because of a tax uh, tax reasons, mm-hmm. uh, abortion reasons, right? But are there things down the line that you necessarily don't agree with? Because, like you just said, um, if your beliefs don't line up with the Bible, you're wrong. Right. I would agree with that. But can you be guilty by association? If that makes sense, like, can you like vote for um, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party because of a certain issue, but be, mm-hmm. but they also support. Like all five, of these other things, five that, million yeah. things. Well, I think that was a big issue in 2016 and even in 2020 with Trump was that he conservatives and Republicans stand for more Christian values than Democrats do. But one issue voters are the problem with America because they know a little bit or they have an opinion on one thing and they don't pay attention to anything else. So with Trump, he is extremely pro-life, right? Mm-hmm. But he has a lot of moral shortcomings. So there was Russell Moore actually said um, he was the former president of the ERLC said that you can't be a Christian and vote for Trump. Oh, really? Which is a big issue mm-hmm. because that means the other alternative was Hillary Clinton, yeah. who was also terrible. In yeah. 2016, I, I wasn't old enough to vote. But in 2016, I would have voted for Trump, not because I liked him, because I didn't, yeah. but because at some point you have to vote for the lesser of two evils. I mean, I'll be the first to say, I don't think Trump was saved. I mean, he on multiple occasions yeah. said things like, I don't need to repent. And I've, I've even said that on my podcast, Yeah, um, which is well, I'm not sometimes a, a hot take. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard people literally say that he's the anointed um, <laughs> president from Christ, you know, yeah. things like that. I'm like, okay, what? Yeah. That's he is definitely bit. placed in government by God, just like Biden is. Everyone's like there is. for a reason. Yeah. Exactly. Like God is the one that places people in authority. That's mm-hmm. not us. Like God has the authority to put people where he wants. Yeah. And his will isn't going to be um, altered. Like altered. Yeah. 
And so God allowed Trump to be in office, just like God has allowed Biden to be in office. So if you watch the King Vision podcast, you know my camera shuts off 29 minutes, 59 seconds, which is just happening and cut Trey off right in the middle of his uh, speech. So cliffhanger, pick it back up with what we were saying. We're talking about Trump, um, how he was, some people like hold him on the pedestal like he's like an apostle or something, you know, and like he's got uh, apostolic authority. Like he's the Pope basically yeah. like, which I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no. And I don't think you should. I think that Trump, just like everyone else is a broken human that needs Jesus. Yeah. And I've been very vocal that I don't believe he is saved. Um, and even like, there's the video on, uh, American gospel. He's like, well, I just try to not need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's not the right perspective. Mm-hmm. Like we should seek to honor Christ and with our life and we should seek to not sin, but we are constantly going to be failing and constantly needing to ask for forgiveness, especially mm-hmm. someone that is with so that has so much power and authority and has to make so many difficult decisions like the president does constant need for repentance and just um, confession of sin to Christ. So, I think that people that believe Trump was just like this great, incredible president with no moral shortcomings are just idol. Um, they just fall into idolatry mm-hmm. of him, and I think that's a really dangerous thing. Um, yeah, but I think same thing with President Biden. People that just support him blindly are also just falling into idolatry. But people that think that, like people that call Trump Hitler way way out of the ballpark i haven't even heard that before that's news to me people call trump literally hitler and they call people that supported him literally hitler and so i think that that is um, one of the reasons for our extreme polarization is just this immense hatred from both sides Mm. Um, and i think that as christians we need to realize that our call isn't to convince someone on how to vote our call as christians is to tell people about the hope that we have in christ Mm mm-hmm and then from there, when they accept that gift, the Spirit can convict them and work in their life however the Spirit sees fit. That yeah. is not our role. Um, so our first and really only objective should be to share the gospel so that people can have a relationship with God. Um, yeah. Yeah, that – can't remember what exactly I was saying. So I'm going I'm to I'm pick it back up. I'm going to pick it back up. Okay. So basically – and, and this is this is wrong what I'm about to say, and this is not right, okay? But I didn't even vote in 2020. Like I legit didn't vote. Like that's how political, like how politically neutral. It it wasn't like I just woke up and was like I'm not gonna vote. It's just like I, it just never happened because I just didn't feel as like mm-hmm. important in my life. Which, if you think that's wrong, it's probably a valid point. Like you need to vote. Right, so I, mean, I I'll see that defense or that you argument. You voting either way wasn't going to change anything. In, that would I actually said that, and somebody I don't know who it was said you're the reason ex president didn't get elected. And see, <laughs> I I do think you should vote. Yeah, no, um, like it's like, yeah, you should but vote. There are people that say like, ah, my vote doesn't matter. The reality is, if enough people believe that. Then yeah, then, it, yeah, their affect, votes, yeah. their votes will matter because the mass won't be voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I did vote. Yeah, yeah. I also I was working on the campaign, so it would have been a bad look if yeah. I would not have voted. Yeah, there are some guys that forgot. What if to you'd vote. have voted for Biden and you worked at a Trump campaign? You know, 
I've got some questions but, about but, some of the guys that I worked with. But they can't track that, so I mean, like they can't lo- yeah. they can't actually access that information. Yeah. Well, so wolf, they can. A wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> they can't access that information. That's illegal. That's got to be two types of illegal right there. How do you access someone's motor history? Everything. There's trails on everything. Okay. There's definitely ways to do it. I can't access that information. Just an average Joe Blow like Trey Cole. We can't yeah. access that. Anyways, but the next question. Um, first off, before I ask the next question, I want you to hit on. I, I Before we were talking, before the break, we got off topic. Okay. Um, is guilty by association with a political party. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I said I didn't vote is because like that I'm, I'm I, I do not, I, I, I have these questions and I'm genuinely curious because I want to learn more, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm slow to make opinion if I even have an opinion at all, but guilty by association with the democratic party, really big on abortion. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I would say that's probably the biggest make or break. Yeah. Can you, can you disagree with? with their stance on abortion and still be democratic or um, disagree with. I think it's becoming more difficult mm. to disagree with abortion and be a Democrat because it's becoming more and more their main issue. Mm. Um, and so while I think it is possible because a lot of Democrats, most Democrats used to be very against abortion. And mm. even um, I believe it's Bill Clinton who said that abortion should only be used in like dire circumstance. I can't remember the direct quote, but it was basically saying only like rape, incest, and endangerment mm-hmm. of the mother. Mm-hmm. It should be used rarely. Mm-hmm. And now you've got. So let me let me ask you that question. Okay, so uh, the okay, so my view. I, I'm just gonna you know I'm just gonna I'm becoming more political as the seconds tick <laughs> as we talk. As, like this is so out of my comfort zone, but now that I think about it, and you know now that you know, I feel. I feel abortion at the six week mark, which was what Texas just passed. Mm-hmm. I, I, my, my leaning towards, again, I want to learn more is that that is a good thing that they are banning mm-hmm. abortion at that six week mark with a heartbeat. But where I'm seeking to learn more is what you just said, women's health, mm-hmm. the rape, the incest cases like that. So what, is there a context for abortion? I, I don't know. So, biblically, I, I don't think so. There's yeah. no way, even if you are raped, which is an awful event, right? Like, mm-hmm. that should be met with um, just very, a lot of gentleness and love mm-hmm. and compassion and understanding for yeah. that situation. Because our hearts are for all life, people. like creation, right. and we've, we feel that we, we know... Versus like God knit us in our mother's womb. Mm-hmm. So to be knit in your mother's womb, that starts at the first knit. Exactly. So And so I think that that's a really hard circumstance. I, abortions, the, the vast majority of abortions are due to convenience. Mm-hmm. I believe it was 2017, it was less than 2%. I believe it was less than 1% of abortions were due to rape and incest. And in New York City, there were more black children aborted than there were born in 2018, I believe. Mm. I believe it was 2018. And so that just speaks to the culture of abortion. It's that many people aren't being raped. Like there's, that is not consistent with the percentages. 
Mm. right? That is a large part of convenience. Um, and I think that that should not be allowed. Mm-hmm. You make a decision. If you make a decision to have consensual sex, there are consequences to your actions. And you know the bio- biological consequences going into that action. And so you have to live with that. Now, whether you give that child up for adoption is up to you. Right. And I think that we do need um, to reform our adoption system. I think that it is way too long of a process. And that would also help a lot of families that don't want an abortion, that are morally opposed to abortion, but Mm -hmm. also maybe made that decision to have sex, but can't afford or raise a child. So our adoption agencies need to be completely reformed so that it's easier to adopt. But I think going back to kind of, can you be guilty by association? Uh, more and more, I think the answer is yes. Because I would say the same for Republicans too. Because yeah. you can be pro-life, but you voted for Trump, and I mm-hmm. hate Trump. Or hate's a strong word. Okay, <laughs> that wow. Forgive me for that. I don't. I'm not a fan of Trump, but mm-hmm. like we have a heart for people. And at the end of the day, it, even and this is going to get into the next question. Like the Taliban, mm-hmm. our our desire illegal immigration. Hot button topics, but yeah, what is your primary goal? If you had the opportunity and we get to sit here in, in two comfy chairs in College Station, Texas in America, but so, so like we don't have much authority to speak on this, but imagine if we were in, we had the opportunity to spread the gospel to the Taliban or the mm-hmm. Taliban had an opportunity to hear their gospel. That is the first and foremost of priority. Same with illegal immigration. Like right. if I'm in Del Rio, my first call probably wouldn't be illegal. I mean, it wouldn't no, be ICE, ICE, ICE yeah. or whatever. I'm talking like, but it's you. No, I'm not gonna say nobody. A very small portion of Republican Democrat put make that that priority because we know mm-hmm. the Christian population is a small population. Yeah, when I think that like that's kind of the same thing with, um, you talking about abortion and can Democrats be held accountable for voting Democrat even if they're against abortion. With the immigration question and the Republicans, a lot of times um, people say that um, Republicans are pro-life in the womb, but not pro-life for immigrants. I heard that yesterday, actually. Yeah, and I, I have a, I have a take on that. Take say it. So, one, I think that as Christians, we are called to help others, right, mm-hmm. and spread the gospel. What is the best way to do that? Going to those countries and equipping them to live well equipping yeah. them to know the gospel and to spread the gospel in their own culture. Yeah. And I think that right now we should be as Christians, if you were at the border, right, your first call shouldn't be ice. And I really don't think that should be a call you make. Yeah. Um, I think that you do need border security just logically for a country, for a sovereign country, you have to have some kind of border security. Mm-hmm. But I think that our immigration process needs to be completely reformed. And if you, if we are at any point able to stop the immigration crisis at our border, then we can move those funds from going into that and put it into immigration courts and fund that more so that we can have mm-hmm. more judges, more hearings, get people through faster, make it, allow it to cost less, allow it to not be the as process timely. of being a citizen. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or even just getting into America at all. Cause you can become a citizen after getting into America. Um, even, Arturo, the Hispanic minister at Central. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he became a citizen. Um, 
a year or two ago, I believe. Really? Yeah, but he's he's been in America for a long time. And so you can become a citizen later. But just getting into America needs to be a much faster process mm-hmm. because our hearts as Christians should break for those people that are suffering, that are in need, mm-hmm. and we should desire to help them. So those that we can bring in, we should bring in. But we should also have a burden for those that can't come, that those aren't mm-hmm. that aren't able to. We should go to them and we should help them in their need and meet them in their place of need, okay, not yeah. force them to come to us because Christ doesn't force us to come to him. He comes to us. Mm-hmm. He meets us in our place of need. Yeah. And that should be our same attitude. Yeah. The sad thing is, is, and this is one of the things I just don't know the answer to. Like mm-hmm. you, I can sit here comfortably and like not be ridiculed for saying like, I don't know, but a lot of times it's, if you make this decision, then you're automatically against this. Like, so mm-hmm. like if I'm against illegal immigration, then I'm against people. Or if I'm for right. illegal immigration, I'm against my country. Yeah. Whatever the, or whatever the polarizing views are, but how can we, cause like think about it, taxes, social security, um, all these Republican arguments, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, like, from a logistical, economical, economical perspective, how do we look at it? And then how do we look at it from people? Like there's people who are in need. Yeah. And I don't know the answers to how it should be or, you know, all that thing. So it's it's hard. But in 30 seconds, so in 30 seconds, we're going to wrap up this, this segment. In 30 seconds, what would you like to wrap up talking about Republican and Democrat? And then you've already talked about... Um, your shift and you've from your what you're saying you just have a heart for the gospel mm-hmm. and then that your political parties your political affiliations are second 30 seconds wrap this part up anything last thoughts um i think what you were saying at the end is why i don't consider myself a republican mm-hmm. because like you said if you are for border security then you're against people and if you are um, for abortion you're you're for murder right mm-hmm. and i think those are really big republican arguments i don't want to be seen as someone that which I some of my views are very Republican, mm-hmm. um, but I also try to understand both sides. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to be someone that just like blindly checks an R. That's why I'm a conservative, because it's an ideology. It's a way of thinking and processing, yeah. not as much just like firm beliefs of like, this is the exact policy, but it's this is the type of policy that I want to see mm-hmm. because it allows me to still have a heart for people. That was good. That was good. Okay, so there's one more political question, but it's not so much. It's more of abstract thinking. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not so much like really controversial stuff. So we live in a country, and me and Matt Keller, my pastor, I did a podcast with back home. We did an episode on this, but we live in a culture that is pluralistic. Mm-hmm. We, you know, freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we should create a space for. Um, Islam or Muslims to practice their religion for Mormons to practice their religion for Catholics for Christians um, it's freedom of religion mm-hmm. okay so with that how there there is an infiltration and I don't know the answer to this and I'm thinking about this like I'm not setting aside my Christian views that's not mm-hmm. what I'm doing because we all know that I'm a Christian so that's going to infiltrate the way I think the way I see the world but for the sake of this argument let's think academically just mm-hmm. big picture how should because voting in our government seems to have a Christian, not bias or lean, but 
like, like a Christian history and a, foundation. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you create a pluralistic country while remaining, while not, while also having Christian morals in the government? You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Well, I think that the foundation of our country is based on Judeo-Christian values. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can't change, right? That is one of the main foundations of our country. Another one is freedom of religion. And so you can have these values, um, but other people have the right to not agree with you. Mm-hmm. And as Christians in politics today, and as Americans, we have a responsibility to go to the voting booth, to vote for officials, to elect officials, to enact law. That is the American process. That's the way that our government works. And so if there are more voters that want to see specific laws enacted, that is democracy at work, yeah. right? Um, while also protecting the rights of those that disagree with religion, right? So if I'm a Christian, I am not going to attempt to pass a law that says everyone has to be Christian. Mm. That's the point of freedom of religion. Um, freedom of religion isn't there to um, say that everyone has to believe something, saying that not everyone has to believe the same thing. But that doesn't mean, and this is one of the things with the separation of church and state. Separation of church and state means that the state cannot um, impose on religion. Yeah. Right. That does not mean that voters, independent voters, cannot vote for officials that are going to enact and write laws. So, yeah, that's what, basically, let me dumb down what you're saying in 10 seconds. Basically... No, through democracy, through the right to vote, if you vote in a Christian judge, the Christian judge, by his morals, is going to, you know, provoke Christian right because you're laws. electing a person, yeah, who is going to yeah. write law. So pass then, if law, there's a law. if there's a Muslim, um, judge, he's going to he, he, it's impossible to set aside values. Mm-hmm. You have a, you see the world through a worldview, through a lens, exactly. And it's going to shape the way you work. In mm-hmm. it, so well, and then you have like Ilhan Omar, who is a Muslim congresswoman who is a refugee from Somalia, I believe. And she isn't going to set aside her worldview. She isn't going to set aside what I see as her hatred for Jews when mm-hmm. she is um, enacting laws or, or not enact, um, attempting to write laws or vocalizing her support for Hamas, right? She's not going to set aside her worldview for that. So why are Christians asked to do and that? And that's what, that's what I was going to ask you next is because... Um, there should like our like our country is built on pluralistic ideas. Like we should, and I don't even know if that's a pluralistic is the right term. I believe, but um, Muslims can practice here. Like I said earlier, everyone can practice on religion. But as a Christian, if we create a an environment where it's freedom of religion, then we're gonna go evangelize and like mm-hmm. hope that you come to know Jesus. And if you don't, then, then that's your decision, right? Because yeah, God decision. gives us free will, exactly. But He gives Christians the mission to go and make disciples exactly and to tell others about the gospel yeah but the, the sorry to cut you off this, i want to ask you this question because it's important but where it comes in where the the controversy comes in is like i don't know if you know the story like the christian baker in colorado mm-hmm. or these these instances where um i believe in colorado this christian bakery refused to make a wedding cake They've for been sued like three times yeah yeah so Frankly, and this is hot. This is hot, guys. I know, but um, it seems as though Christians making 
decisions through their worldview mm-hmm. to refuse that, then it's almost for for if it's freedom of religion for practicing that religion. Okay, I believe this is a sin. It's, it does it's not work in my worldview. Mm-hmm. Then I'm penalized for it. Versus right. a Muslim who you know may make a decision. You know you cannot be gay in the in Islam. Mm-hmm. It, it is against or LGBTQ, that's against Islam religion. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem to be re- the negative repercussions like Christianity. Right. Well, and that's because um, in sociology, for example, and the sociology professors will say that the makeup of America, the foundation of America is evil. Right? We were built on slavery. We were built on all of these evil things. And part of that is the patriarchy. And the patriarchy is straight, white, Christian, male, conservatives. And so they use those things. And if you are those things, you are the problem with America. Therefore, minority groups must target you. Minority groups can oppose you, but... And that, that's, that's correct. That's getting into like the CRT deal, right? Yes. Like you're almost penalized for being white. Exactly. Basically. Um, and Which, that's the same kind of thing. Like minorities should have these same rights as when minorities... Other religions, other races should have the same rights as everyone else. So you shouldn't be penalized for being white. You shouldn't get special treatment for being white, right? You shouldn't be penalized for being Christian. You shouldn't get special treatment for being a Christian, just like any other race or religion. Mm. But in America today, Christians are um, held to a, they're held to a double standard and that is unfair for them. But that's also the reality of the Bible. Bible says the world is going to hate us, so it shouldn't surprise us. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the baker refusing service, I think that one, if he wants to refuse service, that's his right. He has just like if a Muslim didn't want to make me a wedding cake because they don't support me getting married in a church, right? That is their right because they are providing a good and a service. Mm-hmm. They're not providing a necessity. You can go to another baker and get another cake. Um, now if enough people disagree with that decision, then enough people cannot go to that baker and he can go out of business. Let me give you a hypothetical. Say there was a made up religion. I mean, this is so hypothetical, but it's going to make the point clearer. What if there's a religion that was inherently racist? Mm-hmm. Like in their religion, it was racism. Yeah. This is a makeup religion, <laughs> a fantasy religion. Not real. Not real. Um, would they have the freedom to practice their religion to, like, say, refuse service to white people or resu- mm-hmm. reser- re- re- refuse? Refuse. I say reserve. I don't re- know. Refuse service to a certain ethnic group. Would mm-hmm. that be allowed in a pluralistic society? Um, it's not allowed in America. I think that it should be because then everyone together can for the common good protest that business and run it out of business. And then those people suffer. Because we know as Christian, Christian morality, that racism is wrong. We mm-hmm. know it's a sin issue, right? But exactly. And that's why, that's why I start with this, let's think academically, because truthfully, like I do agree with you. I believe that um, if a Christian decides to refuse service, they shouldn't face repercussion for that. They, mm-hmm. It's a private owned business. They should be able to do that. Um, likewise with a Muslim or Mormon or any fill in the blank religion should have the right to refuse service based on religious beliefs. Right. Um, and that's why I use this hypothetical because in a pluralistic society, 
that should fit into it, mm-hmm. but with the hope that everyone else would come alongside yeah, for the common good and protest that yeah. business. And that's what um, Ben Shapiro's used that example before as well. Like, what if someone refused service to black people? Well, I'm not black, but I wouldn't give my service to that business because they stand for something that I don't agree with, that mm-hmm. I'm morally opposed to. Therefore, I cannot, in good conscience, go and support and give my money and my business to that person who, or to whatever entity that is. Mm. And so I think that would be the same thing for anything. So like the baker, if I thought that being gay was not a sin and that man didn't support homosexuality, maybe I don't go to that baker. Maybe I go to a different baker that supports that. Now, I think that I know that homosexuality is a sin, so I wouldn't penalize him for that. Mm-hmm. But if there was someone that was refusing service to a black man, I wouldn't go to that business, whether I was black or not, because I am morally opposed to racism and it is devaluing and degrading the man or woman that is made in the image of God. And therefore I cannot support that business. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And that, this kind of goes along with me for, um, the deal with immigration. You know, if you're for this, like, the culture tells us that we're, yeah. Yeah. And the idea of like, I do not know, like this is, this is the most political conversation I've had and I watch videos, but it's not my focus, but I'm genuinely interested and I'm glad we talk about this stuff because I don't know the answers, but bring my, okay, we're talking academic, you know, let's bring our Christian morals back into it. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to lean towards equality. We're going to lead towards, um, uh, loving on people we're going to lean towards voting for pro-life because we want to see life because we believe god created us so we're going to vote a certain way me and trey are going to vote a certain way because of our worldview but in the terms of like the wide scope of america as a country it's it's a it's really hard to like truly put a pin a pin on how it should be Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's a hard conversation to have, but it is. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't prepared to be political, dude. I wasn't <laughs> either. Like I expected. I didn't. So it is. As you were talking, I I planned that one about like, you know, the guilty by association, mm-hmm. and then like it just kind of flew out of that. Well, because I know how apolitical you are. Yeah, like you like to be. So I wasn't expecting to get into yeah. any kind of politics. Which which my biggest deal is like even a conversation like this. By me saying that I don't know all the answers, by me saying I didn't vote, by me mm-hmm. saying that, um, what did I say? You know, cri- like Christian values shaping the way we vote, mm-hmm. guilty by association. I don't know if I said that twice. Guilty by association. Like, can you be democratic and, um, and, and be a Christian? Can you be Republican and be guilty of us? So, like, all these questions should show that. I genuinely don't know and should show that, you know, I have my, my politics are shaped by my worldview, but I don't know all the answers, but let's shift gears. Um, I, I, I kind of enjoy that political talk though. We should do it more often. We should, we should, but let's shift back gears. This is the the last question I have for you. Um, if you had a advice, and it's kind of hard to shift your thinking now, but if you had to give advice to a Christian who has just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. and they're beginning their their new walk as a born-again child of God, what would be the encouragement or advice that you would tell them? Yeah. Um, 
I think that the biggest advice that I would give a new believer is to be in, plugged in in a local church, mm. right? Get involved in a local church because that's where you're going to get your um, community. That's where you're going to find your community that's going to push you in life to pursue Christ. That's also where you're going to worship Christ corporately mm. and learn about him in a corporate setting, multi-generation. You're going to find people that are older than you, that have done life, that have um, lived life and would love to pour into you. You're going to find people that you can pour into as well whenever you are spiritually mature enough to do that after you have been fed. Um, and that's also going to be one of the best places to serve, right? As Christians, we're called to serve in the local church, to be part of the body. And that requires working in the body as well. And so by being plugged in into a local church, you're going to find that community that you need. You're going to find people that have done life and would love to pour into you. And you're going to have the opportunity and the privilege to serve Christ and serve his bride as well as grow um, just immensely. And so I think that the biggest thing that a new Christian can do is find a church that is biblically sound and jump fully in the deep. That's good stuff, bro. I appreciate you coming on, dog. Thanks for inviting me, man. It was good. That was Trey Cole, everybody. Y'all go show him love. I'll probably put his Instagram right here, uh, right here somewhere. But really appreciate you coming on, dog. We're gonna have to get you on again. Sounds good, man. So talking right, about politics. I know, right? That was that was a lot for me, dude. That was, that was a, a lot. lot. But thank y'all for watching. Y'all stay tuned for the next episode of Sheep Talk. Of, yeah, of Sheep Talk. <laughs>